Much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the years, Dr. Mitchell touched a lot of lives as he served as founder and pastor of Central Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, and one of the founders and professors of Multnomah School of the Bible, now Multnomah University. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study and not affiliated with either Central Bible Church or Multnomah University. But by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I read through these first four verses of Luke, I hear Luke addressing this most excellent Theophilus. Now, his is a Greek name, and he must have been in a position of authority, or at least a man of some publicly recognized stature. And this Theophilus, who, according to the text, had been verbally taught about the life of Christ. Now, Luke is writing to him to give him a written account of what he had previously heard and been taught. They can now refer back to its truth and accuracy and not forget it. Even though others had previously written, Luke deemed it appropriate to write an orderly account of the life of Jesus on earth, although he himself was not personally present with Christ in those days. While Dr. Mitchell now begins our study in the Gospel of Luke on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. We continue our studies in the Gospel through Luke. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time or have not followed through with us, we've been giving... Uh, a contrast between the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we gave an overview of the Gospel through Luke, where our Lord is revealed to us as the sinner's Savior, the one who came to redeem man from the power of sin, from the authority of hell, and from the fear of death. 
as we read in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15, our Lord became a man, came into the human race for what purpose? That he might deliver us, not only from him who had the power of death, that is the devil, but to deliver us also from the fear of death, and death is already a conquered fall. Now, I would like to continue just one or two further things about this question of Luke's gospel. The reason I do that is because if you want to ask or if you want to tell someone what gospel to read concerning our Savior, I would suggest the gospel through Luke. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that most people would speak about the gospel through John, and rightly so. And I think I love John just as much as you do. In fact, I love them all. But if I want to know what the heart of God is like, I go to Luke. If I want to know the majesty of God or the claims of Christ being God, then I'd go to the gospel through John. If I want to see his claims as the Messiah, then I'd go to Matthew. If I want a simple story of Jesus, as he walked among men, I'd go to Mark, where, where Mark doesn't use very much concerning his birth or his boyhood days. He just goes right in our Lord as a man in the midst of men serving. But when you come to Luke's gospel, our Lord is a real man in the midst of men. The revelation of the heart of God toward men is in Luke. It's a wonderful, wonderful gospel. You remember that Luke was a Gentile. He was a Greek cultured, refined, educated, and may I say, of a very scientific mind. You remember that he was a great companion of the Apostle Paul. You'll find that in the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. He's also mentioned in, in Philemon 24. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 11, when, when Paul is in jail about to be beheaded for his testimony's sake, you find this man Luke, the beloved physician, is with him. And Luke had spent a great many years with the Apostle Paul. I believe he was with him when he was in Caesarea in the jail there. I think he was with him when he was down there in, in Europe giving out the word of God in Macedonia. I believe he was there with him when he was shipwrecked and so on. A remarkable character. By the way, he's the only Gentile who writes in the New Testament. All the others were Jews. And Luke wrote about 60 A.D. And he wrote to a man by the name of Theophilus. The word means, of course, Theophilus means lover of God. From Theos, the word for God, and Phileo, which means to love. So you have here, he wrote to a man of high position and standing, another Gentile. Now, again, I suggest it is the gospel of our Lord as the Savior of all men. When you come to Matthew, Matthew is full of scriptures from the Old Testament. You find very little of that in Luke. Matthew was concerned about Jesus being the Messiah. When I come to John, I mean to Luke's gospel, I find Luke with the Savior for all men. And I believe when Luke wrote, he wrote with the Gentile in mind. He brings those who are on the outside and brings them on the inside. Uh, you remember that the Jews were very tight 
tight-knit people. The Gentiles were on the outside. They were dogs. They gloried in the fact that they were God's people. And when Luke writes, he doesn't write with that in mind at all. He writes to, to reveal the fact that our Savior was the Savior not only of the Jews but of Gentiles. And it's in this Gospel through Luke that you find uh, him writing about how our Lord reaches, for example, he reaches Samaritans. Notice how he does it. In chapter 10, for example, you have the story of the good Samaritan. When the priests and the Levites leave this man in the middle of the road, a certain Samaritan as he journeyed. And you remember the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Or you take chapter, chapter 17 of the same gospel through Luke. You find where ten lepers were cleansed, and only one came back to give him thanks. And that man was a Samaritan. Or you take chapter 4, when our Lord is speaking concerning his person before the people at Nazareth and in Galilee. He talked about the woman of Sarepta, the one with whom Elijah stayed, a Gentile. He talked about Naaman the Syrian, who was a leper. If you remember, he said there were many lepers in Israel, but only to a, a Syrian general, a leper, was Elijah sent. What I'm trying to get to your heart is this, that as you read the gospel through Luke, you're finding Jesus Christ as a sinner's Savior for all men, for all men. That's why when you come to chapter 23, you remember there was a dying thief on the cross. I don't know what his nationality was. I don't need to know. What I know is that he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said immediately, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, the heart of God, as it is revealed to man in this gospel through Luke. Did you ever notice how, how he brings in the family relationships, family fellowships in this gospel through Luke? For example, take your first chapter. You have Zachariah and Elizabeth, a man and his wife, had no children, they prayed, and the Lord met their need. You have the angel Gabriel coming and talking to Mary, announcing she's going to be the birth, she's going to give birth to one who should be the king of Israel. Or you take the, the widow and her son in chapter, in chapter 7. She, he, he met the widow coming out to bury her son. Now the Lord steps into the picture. Or we have the daughter of Jairus. Or the woman who pressed through and touched his his garment, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. Or the woman who was a great cripple in the, in the synagogue, she couldn't lift herself up. And the Lord healed her. Well, I could go on down through. You have the story of Mary Magdalene. You have the story of Martha and Mary. You have the widow in chapter 18, who said to the judge, avenge me of my adversary. What I'm trying to give to you is just this little brief thing that look is different to all the other three. In fact, they're all different. But the thing that stands out as you read the gospel through Luke is the great heart of God for people, even for you, even for you. Every once in a while I hear from people, I get calls from people, 
They think they're beyond the reach of the Lord. Not a bit of it. Not a bit of it. The Lord loves men and women. He loved you and me enough to die for me. That's why I believe in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. If I may change the reading of it, while we were yet active in our sins, he died for us. My, what a Savior. And I find in this gospel through Luke that Jesus, the Son of God, was a real man. And do you remember, we mentioned this before, he was called the Son of Man. I think about approximately 25 times he's called the Son of Man. He's God manifest in the flesh. And you'll notice that the detail that is given by Luke manifests the fact that he was a man of scientific research. He was a man who knew what he was doing. And what he gives to us in all the marvelous detail, just like a surgeon would do, a doctor would do, he sees the detail of it. Even, you remember in chapter 2, just to illustrate my point, the angel said, the angel said to the shepherds, unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I see a physician would see that. What I'm after here is the, is the remarkable detail of human life that's given to us in this gospel. And Jesus is able to meet the need of any heart and every heart that comes to him. And I'm talking to you, my friend. You may be dead in trespasses and sins. You may have given up and said, it's no use, I'm too bad, or I'm too far gone, or whatever your excuse may be. You're never too far from the grace of God. The grace of God can reach right down where you are in your own heart and meet your personal individual need. I want you, as we read and go through this gospel through Luke, I want you to fall in love with him. I've been teaching the Word of God for approximately 50 years, and yet now this, this gospel through Luke has taken on a new, uh, a new dimension for me personally. And if I can carry it over into your heart, I'd be very happy. Only the Spirit of God, of course, can do that. But the more I read it, the more I realize, my, what a marvelous, marvelous, tender, compassionate Savior we have. That's why I say he's a real man in the midst of men. He's the living Word, the Word of God. As I said a while ago, if you want to read about a Savior for the whole world, then you read Luke's Gospel, and you see what God can do for man when I think of man estranged from God, man in his sin, in his unbelief, in his corruption, and his lawlessness, and I look over the world today, the only hope of the world as a whole is God, and the only hope for we as individuals is God himself. What's he like? Ah, that's what I want to know. What is he like? He's just like Jesus. You remember John 14? About verse 9, verse 11, but John said to Philip, Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and don't you know me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Believe me, I am in my Father. My Father's in me, or else believe me for my very work's sake. And when I read the gospel through Luke, behold, I see his compassion, I see his tenderness, I see his love, 
I see his grace toward all men. And if I want to know what God is like, I look at Jesus. And when I read and reread this gospel through Luke, I just have to stand in amazement. Why should an omnipotent, omnipotent God, sovereign God, who framed the ages by the word of his mouth, when I think that I'm living, you and I are living on a little speck in God's universe called the earth, 8,000 miles in diameter, speeding through the heavens, orbiting the sun, and we're only one of little wee galaxy in the heavens. We're just a little wee group and there are millions upon millions of stars of great magnitude. And yet it's pleased God to manifest his love, his grace, his compassion, his heart to men on earth. The greatest yearning of the heart of God is for you and for me. We might know him. And the beauty of it is, as I read this gospel through Luke, I find God looking for men, God looking for women, God looking for sinners, for helpless, hopeless, hopeless people. And he loves them. I want you to get this as you read the gospel through Luke. I wish in some way, I, and I say this very kindly, I wish in some way I could get my own self as well as you to sit down and read this whole gospel through at one sitting. Just read it through. Don't try to understand it. Just read it through. And you'll be amazed what God has for us. I want you to do that. Can I, can I ask you to do that? Will you read and reread and reread the gospel through Luke as long as we're on it? I don't know how long we're going to be on it, to be honest with you. Because as I read these chapters, I just go into ecstasy when I think. That same love which was demonstrated to people of his day, to lepers, to outcasts, to publicans, to demon-possessed people. He's the same Savior for you and for me today. Now let's read the first four verses, may we? And here we have the introduction uh, to this gospel through Luke. Now I'm reading the first four verses of this, of this precious book. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed. Now you notice that he is writing for the purpose of shall I say, giving assurance to those who want to really know the truth. He's going to write, he's going to put in order a declaration of the things which are most surely believed among us. In other words, here the physician is talking, and what he wants to do is to write down in order the things which are believed which, and which were believed by the early church. Now remember, He's a Gentile. He's a man who's educated, refined, a cultured man, a Greek, more than likely has been well-versed in all the philosophical 
Greek or the Greek philosophies of the day. You remember that they were looking for personalities that were great, that were perfect. This is Greek philosophy. And even our present-day philosophy doesn't go very much beyond what Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and these other men wrote. What I'm getting to you is this. This man, Luke, when he wrote, he was not an ignoramus. He was a man well-taught, well-educated, and scientific in his investigation. This is not the writings of a blunderer. This is one whose heart the Lord had touched. This was one indwelt by the Spirit of God. And this was one whom God used with all his gifts for the writing of this third gospel, the gospel through Luke. He's writing with Gentiles, with the world in view. So he says, I'm going to write in order. I'm going to put right down in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they were delivered unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Notice, he not only wrote with exactness, but he wrote that we might have perfect understanding. And he could do it from those who were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word of God. In other words, he's talking about those who knew the Savior intimately. And I think that this man, Luke, spent time talking, asking questions with all the, all the apostles. I'm sure in his association with the apostle Paul, he came in contact with the church at Jerusalem, where James and John and Peter and all the rest of them were. For you remember that he, the apostle stayed at Jerusalem. And more than likely when the apostle Paul was a prisoner at Caesarea for two years, this man Luke more than likely had perfect uh, relationship and association with the apostles. So he took all their stories and, and he analyzed them. And I, I believe the Spirit of God led him to write down that which we have here. And verse 3, it says, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto you in order, put it right down in order, most excellent Theophilus. As I said a while ago, this man Theophilus more than likely was a man of high standing. Otherwise, Luke would not have addressed him as most excellent Theophilus. And I believe this man, Theophilus, possibly had come to know the Savior just through the personal testimony of others. But Luke is not concerned about that. He wants him to have it right down in writing. You see, when you write something, it's, it's settled. When you tell a story, it can be embellished. But here he writes it down, O Theophilus, so you'll understand. Uh, those who had written before, like Matthew and Mark and the and the testimonies you had heard, and I'm writing it to you so that you also may have perfect understanding. This is the reason for it, that you and I too today might have perfect understanding of all things from the very first. What for? That you might know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. That you might know the certainty. This was the purpose of the writing of the gospel to Luke. That you might know the certainty of the truth not only intellectually, but the assurance of that truth in your own heart and life. And believe me, that's what we need today, that positive assurance that what we have here is the Word of God. 
and that the Spirit of God took a man like Luke, well-educated, and gave to us in detail something of the heart, the compassion, the tenderness, the love, the grace of God himself toward men. Now read the gospel through. May the Lord make it very precious, very real to you as you read it through. Don't be almost, put him foremost, for he loves you, my friend. He died and rose at for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at town.